Tonight's broadcast of Keon Sports is brought to you by SJM Services, contracting company. Guys, let me tell you a little bit about SJM. Had them out a few weeks ago, did a beautiful job on my fence, on my patio. They even did a little waterproofing. There's nothing this company can't do. Going to have them out next week. We're going to do a little deck action. Again, look them up today on Facebook. SJM, that's Samuel Jacob McKee Services. And hey, call them. 440-623-0145. Email them. Info at sjmserve.com. That's S-E-R-V on the serve.com. No E. Jack Grasso and his guys will be out there. They'll give you a free estimate. And let me tell you, for the bang for your buck, nobody does it better than SJM Services. Tell them Vince McKee sent you. Our guest tonight, Frankie the Answer Egger. Sit back, put your feet up. Up next, Frankie the Answer Egger. Guys, welcome to the show tonight. Frankie the Answer Egger is our guest. Uh, you know, multiple time champion there with the UFC. Uh, and when I say multiple time, I simply mean that he won the belt, defended it multiple times, and really is one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world to this day. So we are very excited to have him on. And without any further ado, Let's get him to the hotline now. On the Keon Sports Hotline now, uh, Frankie Egger, you guys know him, you love him, one of the most exciting fighters in UFC history. Like we said, uh, you know, a champion, a guy who went out there, won a belt, defended it multiple times. His fights against BJ Penn, people still talk about today. Obviously, his fights against um, Gray Maynard as well, we're going to talk about. Without any further ado, though, let's get him to the line right now. Frankie Egger, how are you, sir? I'm good. How you doing? Good, very good. Um, before we really start too deep into this interview, I want to ask you, what has the training been like during this process, um, really with this whole COVID-19? Obviously, everything's a lot different for a lot of people right now, but have you had any roadblocks you've had to go through to get you know back into the training and in the gym and, and get the stuff done that you need to get done? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of unprecedented time for everybody. I had to make some adjustments. For the most part, I've been able to stay busy. Uh, me and my teammates kind of secluded ourselves, so we uh, were able to kind of train throughout this whole process. And, uh, you know, as the months went on, obviously things got more and more normalized. And, uh, you know, made some adjustments on some, some locations we had to train. But, uh, you know, for the most part, everything is, you know, usual, usual goes, you know? Yeah, I mean, and if you don't mind me asking, where are you currently training? I'm training in Jersey. Uh, I train at Nicotones MMA, Ricardo, uh, Ricardo uh, Almeida Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and you know with Mark Henry and and, uh, and and those guys. Absolutely good stuff. So we wanted to talk to you because you know number one we have a very large MMA fan base. I myself personally, I'm not going to lie, I've been watching MMA since uh, 1993, pretty much like day one. And we've had a lot of legendary fighters on the show, Ken Shamrock. Um, you know the list goes on and on, but. You know, it's important because I wanted to talk to you because here you are, you're one of those guys, you've been around for 10 plus years now, and you've always been relevant. So, and that's kind of what I want, you know, where I want to start is you started your professional career at 9-0, and and you know, you weren't beating some tomato cans, you were being good fighters, Jim Miller, Spencer Fisher. What helped you get off to such a hot start like that? Uh, yeah, I used to come from a show and wrestling background, help me out, you know, uh, I jumped right into mixed martial arts training right after college, but I really had no formal striking or jiu-jitsu training until then. But that wrestling base and uh, you know, kind of re- really helps you get you know uh, used to mixed martial arts. Now, wrestling jiu-jitsu are very very similar. And just the, the fact of wrestling, you know, teaching you how to train correctly, how to prioritize, you know, 
you know, what skill sets you need to work on. And, uh, yeah, I think wrestling gave me a big head start. You know, Frankie, we got to tell you, I've had on Gray Maynard, uh, Sean Shirk, and John Fitch, all of them, you know, very strong wrestling backgrounds. And they would be inclined to agree with you, you know, because no matter what kind of striker you're coming up against, if you know how to wrestle, if you know how to take that guy down, obviously that's going to help you a lot. And that really brings me kind of to, you know, my second question. How much did that background help you, not only with the stuff in the cage, but also out of the cage? And what I mean by that is is making weight, being disciplined, making those sacrifices with the weight, because we're going to talk about in a little bit. You've been in multiple weight classes, so this is something you've been able to master over the years. Yeah, you know, wrestling, just the technique and everything gives you a head start. Well, more than that, just wrestling, you know, a lot of people, you, you could take for granted going to a Division One program, uh, you know, that's almost like a, you're almost like a professional at that point, you know. Uh, you got to, you know, deal with your weight, deal with a, a class schedule, and you just got to, you know how to train. You know, you start to do two a days, uh, you, you, have, you have a strength program, usually have a nutritionist to somewhat help you a little bit in college. So that gets you all ready for the future, you know, when you're in a mixed martial arts career. That's why it kind of seems a little seamless for, for some some uh, college wrestlers coming over to MMA. You know, freaking, I, I got to ask you too here, and this is uh, off the chart. I was This is not a question I plan on asking, but, you know, you seem like a very reasonable person and a very honest person, so I'm going to ask it. What is that one food that you absolutely love that you have to stay away from during training because you know you won't be able to contain – just eating a small portion. Like, what do you have to stay away from that you absolutely love? Um, I'm a Jersey guy, so it's pizza. You know that. <laughs> uh, for, for this fight going down at 35, uh, I, I don't think I had pizza for, for about two months now. So I don't think I've worked my whole life without having pizza for two months. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, so, hey, let's, so 9 and 0, you know, you're after this hot start, all right? You come across the guy that, we again, we, we had on a few weeks ago, Gray Maynard, um, here from us here in Northeast Ohio, went to St. Ed's about two minutes from my house. He, uh, he was the first person to beat you. Now, a lot of people don't even remember that fight, quite frankly. They remember your two unbelievable title fights that we're going to get to in a bit. But that first loss of your career, what did you learn from that? Yeah, you know, my first loss, uh, you know, taught me to... Uh... You know, I really wasn't training like a pro athlete. Uh, I think at that time, uh, that was my first fight I had where I didn't have a full-time job. You know, I was in a union as a plumber up until that point. That was the first fight where I had, uh, 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 you know, pretty much all day to train and get ready for a guy. And I realized, this is before I started training with Ricardo Almeida, I realized, you know, I would call guys the night before, ask if they could train, if they could spar. And, you know, during that camp, I know, my like, man, this, this can't be the future of my, my career. It can't be like that. I'm a pro. I need to have stuff kind of laid out. And, you know, joining Ricardo's after that loss was, was a big, big change for me. It kind of brought me into the Hensel Gracie family. And uh, I had more of a structure and, and more of a, 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 a team base behind me. Yeah, well, I got to tell you flat out, Frankie, you know, our hot water tank blew over the weekend. So if I knew you were a plumber, I would have called you because we, we were <laughs> – we were up Shit Creek without a paddle, to say the least. But, listen. Yeah, yeah, I, was, uh, I dug a lot of holes, man. I wasn't the best plumber, but I, I could dig a hole. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Hey, after a very impressive, you know, after that, you went on a run. You went on a run. You know, Hermes Franca, Sean Shirk, Matt Veach. You started rolling off the victories. And I will never forget this fight. You take on BJ Penn for the UFC Lightweight Championship. And, then, you know, for us here in the States, it was in the middle of the day. I remember this being, like, in the middle of a Saturday and ordering the pay-per-view just to watch you fight, because it was in Abu Dhabi. You you go in, you beat BJ Penn. First of all, what was your mental state going into that fight? A lot of people counted you out. A lot of people listed you as a huge underdog. But you had to have known that you knew something. 
What did it take? How did you beat BJ that first time? Yeah, you know, I just believed in myself. I believed in my training, my coaches. Uh, I trained super hard. For, I'm not training hard for all my fights, but I, you know, I put the work in. That was my first five-round fight. Uh, I, I started, started, you know, that camp really early. That got my sparring in line. And I just believed, you know, I didn't, I didn't know I could win at that point because I, you know, I, I mean, BJ was running through everybody, uh, finishing, you know, very good fighters back to back to back, and uh, it's not like I knew I could win, but I believed I could. That that was enough, man. You just got to believe in yourself. Yeah, I mean, he was at that point. The only people he was losing to was Matt Hughes and GSP. I mean, and then he actually beat uh, Matt Hughes at one point too. So that victory was huge. Now I'm going to ask you this question here because this is something that people true. Students of the game, okay? Um, you know, people like myself who have analyzed this for years probably overanalyzed it. I've always said that a champion is not a champion until he defends that belt at least once. So let me ask you this. Which win felt better? The, the win over BJ or, or the, uh, the, the title defense in Boston where you absolutely dominated him? I think for me, like, you know, overall, the, 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 the win, you know, winning the belt, finally, you know, reaching that goal is something I'll never forget. And that's what people remember is the first time you get crowned champion. But uh, like kind of like a personal uh, victory, I guess, for myself, it would have been the second one just because, you know, I put a stamp on that win and it wasn't a fluke. Uh, everybody thought it was going to, you know, go in there and it, BJ didn't show up in Abu Dhabi and take care of me in Boston and to you know, go in there and, and beat him in, in all facets of the game, too. I think at one point he almost had him mounted, you know, and uh, at that point, if BJ ever had him mounted, it was over and uh, was able to reverse him and, you know, beat him everywhere in, uh, in that fight. So that was a mental victory for myself. You know, in the middle of a fight with a, with a legend like BJ Penn, do you ever kind of forget who you're in there with? Does it ever become just a body with a face and you have a game plan no matter what? I mean, at, at some point, I have to believe that you just kind of forget, like, hey, this guy's not a legend. I'm kicking his butt. You know, that, that's objective uh, for all our fights. It's, it doesn't matter who it is. I'm fighting a style. I'm fighting, I'm fighting A, B, and C. You know what I mean? It's like it's literally just picking an avatar in a video game. That, that's all it is. And uh, you, don't you want to take the, the, your, your opponent out of, out of the equation as much as possible. It's just a style. Your trilogy against Gray Maynard is seen as one of the greatest ever because of your incredible heart shown in the first round of each one of those title fights. Stuff that movies are made out of, legends are made of. I tell people, go watch Rocky, and then go watch the Frankie Edgar, Gray Maynard fights, because there's some pretty damn similarities there in the first rounds. What was going through your mind after the first round in each one of those fights, and did you know that once you got out of that first round, you had it? You know, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I don't remember much either of those fights, you know, uh... Uh, I didn't really come the first fight or the second fight rather. I really, I really come to until about between the, the, the third and fourth round. Uh, I remember my coach saying, you only have two more rounds left. And I had no idea what happened to rounds two and three. So, uh, you know, uh, you really, I guess when I go back and watch it, you kind of remember some things. And, uh, in, in the third fight, I definitely came to a little bit more. I, I knew once I made it that first round, I, I kind of got my wits about me a little, a little quicker. And I, you know, I just felt the pattern coming. Like I started, you know, gaining on, gaining on, started landing some bigger punches. So that led up to the, to the finish. You know, I asked Gray Maynard the same question I'm going to ask you. Days later, weeks later, whenever it was, do you ever go back and watch that fight? Either one of those fights. Have you ever actually gone back and watched it? I'm not really big to go back and, and watch, watch any of my fights, I'll be honest with you. So I, I haven't watched any of my fights in, in, in quite some time. Okay. Hey, I love honesty, man. That's what we're all about here. Now, uh, 
a lot of fight fans, though, including myself, and I'm, and listen, man, I'm a journalist first. I get that. But I'm also a fight fan. I've been watching this stuff 20-plus years. You are one of my favorites. I'll flat out say it on the record. And, you know, a lot of fight fans, including myself, thought that you did enough both times against Benson Henderson to get, the, to get that decision. How hard is it, you know, when you train, you diet, you do everything you're supposed to do, and it, it goes to the judges in a decision that close both times. How do you mentally get past something like that? You know, it's tough. It is. Uh, it's disheartening, especially I, I pour my heart and soul into every performance I do. Training, fighting, you know, everything. I, I, I really want to win for myself, for my team. And um, But that's the breaks, man. Life isn't fair. And it, it, it is, a, you know, those fights were close. Uh, you know, I, I thought I won them too. And, uh, you know, I, I hear that a lot from fans. But, you know, that's the way it goes. If you, if you sit and dwell on that stuff, you'll never get past it. So, uh, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You kind of have that amnesia, go back in there and, and fight again. You know, this next question is a little bit long-winded, so I apologize. <laughs> but, <It's all> <laughs> hey, I'm Italian, so I like to talk. What can I say? Perfect, you, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you have fought some of the biggest names in MMA history, such as Jose Aldo, BJ Penn, Uriah Faber, and Max Holloway, just to name a few. How important is that to your legacy to know that you have never ducked a fight with anybody and you've been in there with the biggest names in the game? You know, I'm realizing legacy is something that's kind of just made up. You know, it's, uh, it, it, and legacy is something you think about, I, I think is more for when you're done, not, not in the process of, of your legacy, I guess, you know, in quotations. But, uh, you know, I, I think I just, for myself, I want to, I want to fight the best for, for, for myself, you know, and it's not so much because I have a resume and I can tell people who I fought this and that. I think it just, you know, when you go to bed at night and you know, you didn't turn down anybody, you know, that that's a victory in itself. Who's the tough, who is the toughest opponent of your entire career? Ah, uh, you know, that's tough to say. I fought, I fought so many good guys. Uh, you know, I, I guess you could just say through stages of my career, but Jim Miller was, uh, you know, I fought him uh, in the local s circuit in New Jersey. That was a hell of a fight. He, he kicked a piece of my ear off my head. Um, uh, and then oh, Josie Aldo, he's just one of the most athletic guys you could fight. And, and Benson Henderson, too. And then, and then Max Holloway. He's a complete package, very big, tall, long-rangey guy. Uh, you know, so, so those guys are all in the mix. Do you watch it? Uh, watch those fights? I mean, no, like fighting in general. I mean, a, a lot of – see, I always thought that every UFC fighter, Bellator fighter, watched every single pay-per-view, watched every single fight night, watched it all. But I've been told recently by a few of my guests that they don't, which I find kind of shocking. So I'm asking you, do you – I mean, are you a fan of this when you're not in the cage? I am, man, absolutely. Especially when uh, we had a little hiatus with no sports whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, I found myself watching the first – the whole UFC card from, you know, prelims to the end. You know, once we get – you know, fights every weekend. Maybe I'll save it for the main card. But uh, no, I do watch it. My buddies all come by, and uh, you know, you sometimes I'm falling asleep before it's all said and done. But <laughs> but I'm I'm always doing it in for the most part. You got any kids, Frankie? Do I do I what? Do you have any kids? I do. I have three kids. See, okay, so you're allowed to fall asleep before midnight. I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, midnight's not bad. Some of these fights go to 1 a.m., man. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> hey, I have to write about them. So, you know, a lot, a lot of times these get done at 1 a.m. I don't even turn in that article to my editor until probably 2.30. So, That's true. That's yeah, true. no doubt. So, look, man, you don't duck anybody. And, 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 again, that's what everybody loves about you is you go out there and you fight everybody in front of you. So, 
obviously right now the weight classes are way off. I know you've already dropped down and, and uh, you know, McGregor switches it every two weeks. McGregor fights in a different weight class. But if, if that fight with Conor McGregor ever presented itself again, would you do it? Yeah, I mean, I, every time it comes around, every time the opportunity comes around, obviously I throw my name in a hat. Uh, Connor is one of those, you know, uh, lifetime athletes, a generational athlete that, you know, he only comes around so often. So, you know, I, I would definitely love to have him on my resume, like, like we talked about before. Just again, for myself, to say I fought one of the most popular fighters of my generation, uh, you know, especially since the fact that we became so close uh, several times. Uh, it's kind of a shame that, that it never materialized. Two questions left for you. As I know you're in training, I don't want to take up a ton of your time, but I, I do thank you. Um, you're now fighting at Bantamweight, and you have uh, Pedro Munoz coming up at UFC 252. And for you Northeast Ohio fans here in Cleveland, that is the Stipe card in August. Okay, 252. What will it take to win that night, and will it affect you at all fighting with no fans? Uh, you know, what it'll take to, for me to win is just, you know, Coming and fighting to the best of my ability. I feel uh, when I'm in there, I'm unpredictable. I'm thinking. I'm not, you know, forcing things. I, I still think I'm one of the best in the world. And, um, you know, put everything together. I'm, I, I do believe I'm a complete fighter from stand-up to the ground. And if I put that all together, I feel like I, 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 can't, I can't lose. Um, and f as far as fighting in front of no fans, it'll be something different. That's something I haven't done in a long time. But, you know, I did grow up wrestling, you know, Saturday morning matches where, you know, you hear your shoes on them squeaking on the mat. So, um, you know, I guess it's comparable to that or even sparring, you know, you go to, you know, we have sparring, you hear our coaches yelling for, for each other and, and that's really it. No one else is cheering. So, you know, it'll, it'll probably feel like that. I imagine. Well, Frankie, thank you for joining us tonight. Those were all my questions. We always have one that we let the fans submit always kind of a fun one. We let the fans submit one question and here it is. Um, not really silly. Sometimes we get silly ones, but this one's actually pretty interesting. So our fan writes in and he wants to know. What do you like to do the night before a fight to relax? Night before the fight, you know, I usually go out to dinner with my family, you know, or my team, you know, my team and my family. You know, kind of, they kind of coincide with each other. And uh, afterwards, we come back to the room and we all watch a movie, you know, a funny movie, any kind of whatever, whatever is kind of, kind of a good movie at the time. That's kind of our, our routine. What time do you try to fall asleep that night, if if possible? Uh, I try to stay up pretty late, you know, especially, uh, you know, if you fight in Vegas, I guess, you know, pay-per-view time, you're fighting around 7, 7, 8 o'clock. So uh, I probably go to bed like 12, maybe maybe even 1, you know, get used to it by being up late. Frankie, the answer, Edgar, joined us on Keon Sports. We're going to wish you the best. Before you go, I have to do this for you, bud. Do you have any sponsors or plugs or coaches you want to thank? You know, pay some bills. Who, who do you need to thank? And any sponsors you want to throw out there, go right ahead. You know, my, my coach is Mark Henry, Ricardo Almeida, Chris Ligori, Steve Rivera. Those guys, uh, you know, I've been with since day one. So, uh, you know, props to them. And uh, tune in. I got I got a podcast with Roger Matthews from Jersey Shore fame called uh, Champ and a Tramp. You know, we, we drop once a week, sometimes twice a week. We have, uh, you know, numerous round of guests. It's a good time. So check us out. That's awesome. He fights and he's a podcast host, guys. He does it all. Frankie, thank you so much from one Italian to another. Once you win, and you know, on, on, at 2.52 – Get that win, and then you get that large pepperoni and sausage. Sound good? That's it. That's it, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Take care, brother. We'll talk to you soon. That was Frankie Egger of the MMA World, somebody that a lot of our fans love. I know myself. Um, you know, as I've always said, guys, this job is a dream. What I what I do here is a dream come true. Um, to, to talk to people like that, people I've grown up, well, I shouldn't say grown up, 
because <laughs> I'm 38 years old. But <laughs> let's just say, you know, in the last decade or so, um, you know, people I, I love to watch. And and this guy is fantastic. Um, you talk about first spell at Hall of Famers. You know, one day uh, Frank Yeager has absolutely done it all. Those fights against BJ I will never forget. Um, I remember him fighting Benson Henderson and being pissed because I thought he won. Obviously, the great Maynard trilogy, one of the greatest of all time. That being said, we want to thank our guest one more time, Frankie the Answer Egger. This has been Vince McKee. Everybody, have a good night.